you guys we're back again knocking out part two of how do you know your recovery with survivors of addiction here brandon orr and christy lashober and with us as always stephanie mendenhall producer and executive director of reclaiming lives man that's a title (laughs) and then we have our guest back with us john john bame man whoo i don't know how about you guys felt about that first episode but i know i gained some tools from my tool bag yeah so, how are you doing, John? You doing good? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Yeah? Yeah. Everything, nothing changed from the last month we've seen you? No. I, you know, we're moving forward, and uh, I've, I've got to work with more people, so uh, I, I feel fulfilled. Right. Well, I guess we can jump right into it. So, last week, we or last month, we dumped off the first six, which was being proactive, accountability, being open and honest, building and fostering healthy relationships, Willingness to change, one of my favorites. And then another really big one that we ended on was willingness to work on your core issues. Issues from your past, issues from whatever may have come up from your trauma that stemmed from your addiction, or where, whatever it may be in the past. That's where we left off, and that's where we'd like to pick up today. Okay. Does that sound about right to everybody? Yeah, and it seems like that would be the thing that we would be working on until my last breath. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, will it ever get resolved? <laughs> my core issues. Oh, you're so funny. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, can you can you say that if it would ever be resolved? Well, I I think some some issues can be uh, resolved or worked through or healed, but I think in our humanistic <laughs> condition, uh, you know, I think it would be uh, safe to say that we'll probably always have some issues. Yeah. Yes. And Brandon, so. just in case someone didn't um, hear the first part one, sometimes that happens. You know, people tune in part two and they're like, who is this person? Mm-hmm. John, maybe just tell a little bit about your career and, and your life experience and what led you to be a counselor. Yeah, sure. So uh, I just started my 11th year in uh, addiction-specific counseling. Uh, started up in Portland working at uh, at a gospel mission slash uh, one-year-long rehab facility a year long yeah year long program and you know that's that's a quick thing the statistics show i'm sorry uh for some of those people that want to get in and out but if you're going to do recovery and want to change your life it's going to take some time yes and the statistics are clear the longer a person is in treatment the better the outcomes right yes they have that same thing i apologize they have the same thing with about oxford house if you say 16 to 18 months you have a 76 to 82 percent chance longer staying clean longer than you would from any other like Transitional living, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? So I I love statistics that that have longevity behind them. Right. Hmm. So uh, I spent two and a half years up at uh, this facility uh, working at the street level. And uh, I felt that desire, that need, that calling to come back to the Rogue Valley where I'm from. And so I wanted to learn or bring all the tools that I had learned uh, in addiction from up there and bring them back to treatment and helping people in our community. Right. So these these steps we have here. I don't know if we call them steps, but bullet points or pieces of progress, numbers of progress to go in your life. These are John's outlook on what recovery looks like and what he's found in his 11 years. Yeah, exactly. So working uh, daily with hundreds and hundreds of clients, uh, marking down what works, what doesn't work, what's it look like? Uh, where does success come from? So over the years, I've this is kind of the list that I've developed that when I see 
people, because I wanted them to understand how, how they know if they're in recovery. Right, right. Right. I mean, that's just a foundational question. So if I don't know if I'm in recovery or what it looks like, how do I know I'm close to relapse? Yep. That's so good because you always <laughs> wow. hear when people say, I don't know what, what happened when I got a drink at the bar all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden I was at the barbershop and I got my hair cut. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. It's so if what we it can is. define it and I can get someone to say, well, John, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm, I'm doing these three things. Uh, then we can say it's, it, it's kind of a formula. It's interesting. When I've worked with many clients before, we could usually track a relapse back five to seven days before wow. it actually happened. Hmm. And the reason is because they were doing a specific set of things and we found out they stopped doing certain things. Hmm. That kind of started the process. I was working on one and two, but I forgot three, four, and five. Yeah. You know what I mean? Wow. That's... That's heavy. So remember, you guys, recovery is always work. It's always works. Action. It's nonstop. You know, you didn't stop in your addiction to get high. Why would you stop in your recovery to get well? Yeah. You know. Well said, Brandon. Thank you. Don't you think, though, that your recovery looks so much different now than when you started? Like, that sounds like really a harsh statement in a way where it's like, I'm always going to be dealing with all of this. So that's such a beautiful question. (laughs) The answer to that for Brandon is... Absolutely. Because my recovery today looks nothing like it did when I started. But here's the key point. I never stopped working on myself. Mm-hmm. Right. I never stopped working. I still work. I still do this. I still pray. I still meditate. I still find my, my spiritual higher power. I connect with him. I continuously help people give back. Like it's not how it was when I first started because when I first started, I was trying to find answers and now I'm trying to help people with answers. Yeah. You know? No, I love that. And then it... um my mentor always says, well, in the beginning, she would, I would say, gosh, I have to do this, or I have to call you, or I have to. She goes, oh, no, honey, you get to. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I do. <laughs> and, but, and so now it's easy for me to use those words. I said, wow, I get to. I, I get to have healthy relationships instead of, oh, I have to be vulnerable. So there's that switch in perspective. And thank you for using that word. And, and as, as all three of you were speaking, that's the word that, that came to mind for me was perspective. Yes. Right? If a professional athlete or someone is going to work on their craft, they're going to have to continue to work on it. Yes. You know, we just, yes, finished, yes, with, yes. We just finished with the Super Bowl and uh, the pinnacle was met. And after a couple months of taking time, the hard work's going to have to start at the beginning again. Yeah. All right? over. So, Back to the fundamentals. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we look at it is this is my life and I get to work on it, uh, that's that's actually a beautiful thing. And that puts the power back with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you get to make your own decisions today. We get to, you which know? is phenomenal. Yeah. Because when you're in addiction, I didn't have a lot of choice, I don't think. I had to get drunk. I had to do things in order just to just to survive well, was my perspective. As the first step says, we realize that our lives have become unmanageable. Yes. Yeah. And that we are powerless yeah. to mm-hmm. our disease. You and know? now we're not yeah. in recovery. Right. All right. Woohoo. <laughs> Success. <laughs> so, so John, as we were so beautifully cruising through your list, we did stop at seven. Okay. If you'd like to go ahead and. I will do my best to get into this one. Um, and and I, I simply title it having a understanding of the brain. And when I say that, um, 
that might be hard to to uh, dissect, but um, the the brain is one of the most fascinating things imaginable. Yeah. Well, we we still don't fully understand it, and it can be broken down in so many different lobes and hemispheres and everything. But for understanding ourselves, uh, I want to try to chisel it down to what I call the old brain and the new brain. Mm. And okay. uh, w- we have one of the world-class, you know, doctors, Dr. Inaba, yeah. right oh, here in our community. And, you know, I go back 11 years ago and his textbook was was you know, my foundation in, in reading and stuff wow. like that. So uh, I I think we're very fortunate to have, you know, some, some other wonderful addiction people uh, in our valley. But so when working with a client, it's it's helpful to understand that the new part of our brain uh, is, you know, what we refer to the neocortex or prefrontal cortex. This is where we make our executive decisions. We're having this podcast right now. Right now, yep. You know, we're doing these kind of things. And the the older part of the brain is uh, that reptilian, you know, the limbic systems tucked in there where all of our automatic reflexes come from, our mm. fight or flight comes from, yeah. our, yeah, our highly stored emotions absolutely. are. Right. So we could, if anybody out there can remember you're walking along and you hear a song or you smell something, it takes you back 10 years. Yeah. Every time. That still happens. Yeah. Yeah. So getting an understanding of, of the two can really help someone move forward because I think as our society lives way too much in the survival part of the brain. Yeah. And so we've likened uh, a like or a smile on Facebook to, uh, a saber-toothed tiger. Right. <laughs> right? So and so getting an understanding of that and helping people with a couple of tools to get out of survival mode or to get out of the limbic system and get up to a place where you can think and be able to reason uh, will will help people exponentially. Wow. So it's kind of a deep topic, and I'm just trying to cover it. So we'll go over it, and people can understand the difference between old and new. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. My, reaction versus responding. Yeah, my 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 sp- my old sponsor told me one time. He said, "You just have to change everything. I mean, you have to change. You have to change one thing." I right. said, "Goes everything." I'm like, "What does that even mean?" Yeah. Right. He said, "Well, let's start with your thinking." Yeah, mm. I'm like, "Oh shit! I only know how to think one way, right? right?" So it was a beautiful thing to hold and walk, have him walk alongside me through that and really understand it in the beginning of my recovery when I was yeah. still yeah. a baby, and it was pretty cool. Yeah. To rechange the ways the way I think, and 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 you know, it started with what I was watching, what I was listening to, yeah. who I was watching, and who I was listening to. You know, for right. Brandon, and you know, this is a good moment to stop because to give just a little more flavor on the brain. Um, no expert in any means, but I want it's important. This lower area that we're talking about, this older brain, this survival part of the brain, is really the part of the brain where alcohol and drugs attack mm. and hijack. So what I, I don't think a lot of uh, people realize, like, gosh, why can't that person just stop using or taking a drug or drinking? And if they could see or maybe understand that this part of the brain has been hijacked and has now, for many, equated product use to survival. Wow. 
That's big. Think about that. Yeah. Mm. So how does one move is from that part of the brain? You know, because a lot of times I even thought, how do I, like, right. like you know, how, how do I get out from doing this? I don't want to do this anymore, but I keep doing it. Right. And uh, I think the answer is going to be a little bit longer. Uh, it's, it's going to, there's going to be steps that we take, but that's where we, we're going to put in some coping skills and stuff like taking a couple of deep breaths. Stopping, stepping back. We've heard these cliches before, but really those are the small steps that can provide a gap or a wedge. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes all we need is if I can take five seconds and take two deep breaths, I can now possibly move from reacting to responding. Right. Wow. And so think about kind of like retraining the brain. Yeah, or, or or learning to move out of this survival reactionary place. And how many relationships might have been saved or arguments not gotten into if just a few seconds and a couple of deep breaths before we said something that hurt deeply? A lot. Take me back. <laughs> I started thinking like, yeah, I can mm. even even relationships that were all the way from my P.O., Two ex-girlfriends all the way down. Sure. Mm. Yeah. yeah I mean. And so in treatment, what what I try to do is work with people in bringing it number one to awareness. Yeah. This part of the brain, and one of the one of the cool uh, studies that we do or, or series that we do is I I tell people I title it it's just information. Hmm. Just information. So when someone comes and says something to you, it can be spot on. It could be so far out in left field. It's not even funny. But at the end at the end of it, it's all they're doing is giving you information. That's it. You are the one that tags the emotion and the color and the feelings and behind it. Behind it. Oof. So if you can teach <laughs> someone uh, to kind of start saying, Okay, this person in front of me is gonna offer me information, I don't have to react to it. Now we have a chance to not put ourselves in maybe in such uh, bad what positions. A cool tool to be able to utilize in your everyday process of not even just recovery, but life in general. Anybody can use that. Wow, John, that one's big. Thank you. And I feel like, you know, just like all the rest of these, this could be another hour long topic, (laughs) like, because they're so important, man. These aren't, these aren't little peeny weeny little topics. These are huge life changing, barrier breaking Deep, yes, deep, mm. deep topics yeah. and and, mm. and points that 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 really need to be made in order to have that healthy life that you need, you know, that so many of us want. That we want, yes. And I think you speak to a good point, Brandon, in uh, you're right. So here's a list of things, and we need to take some time to kind of break them down. So, uh, Again, I think it's naive to think, oh, if I just go to treatment for 30 or 69 days, I'm going to get fixed. <sighs> yeah. It it just doesn't work like that. We're, so many times, man. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And just uh, – and to hammer that away is not easy when, me say, me being on Stephanie's couch and me – all I could think about is getting loaded. And they're like, well, let's let's try even the 90 days when it, in my brain it should be longer, but right. the 90 is longest. 
no, I'm just going to do 30. Yeah. Come on, man. Right. Like, yeah. okay, now I have to do a whole new strategy here, you know? But yeah, so like... It's kind of like you make one of those bold statements like, well, maybe 90 days. And, it, and the first thing that happens is our brain closes up. You know, yep. that yeah. whole open mind that, versus yeah. closed mind. And so the yep. minute you say that thing that they're really not willing to do, and I understand why, like I'll lose my job or my house or, right. you know, there's reasons why 90 days out of your life is a big deal. But trying to get yeah. somebody's open mind to come back to say it's 90 days in the rest of your life, yeah. you know, where yeah. 30 might not be enough and we circle this tree again. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that triggered something in my brain was that's why I told the judge not to send me to rehab. That's why I told him. That's why I said, no, I need prison because I know I'm going to do over a year there. And ninety, and in, you know, I was I would have probably ran, but that's just my own thing because I was still wanting to get loaded. But I knew that I needed a lot more time than this even six month program that they could have possibly thrown me into because I needed more time than that because it takes a long time for my brain right. to right. function back. And they say it takes up to three hundred sixty five days to get your brain back to you know hyper functioning. Mm. Yeah. It can, it, and it can. And I knew I was like, man, if I do ninety days, I'm not going to be done. But I knew I knew I needed that year. Right. You know, it's it longevity, man. One year out of my life, out of all that time I've wrecked, like that ain't nothing. It was, it was a necessity, you know. Well, it wasn't yeah. like you couldn't get drugs in prison. No, you're. you're <laughs> I mean, you still had to make a definitive decision to, to change clean. your behavior. Yes, and I need. I know, like, very good point, Stephanie. So when you get up there, you know, of course you see drugs, but it was like, I knew I needed away from where my addiction stemmed from, mm. which was in my hometown. I know I needed away from Jackson County Jail. I know I needed away from all the I needed away from Jackson County. I needed to mm-hmm. get I needed to get my own peace with myself and get myself well and get a place where I can work on myself. And luckily they sent me to Columbia River where I was able to take a couple classes and you know really, really work on myself. Yeah. So I can appreciate that. Yeah. It's important. All right. And number eight, John, I am super glad that you have this on here. It's such a key component to recovery. So uh, that is simply, maybe not simply, but having an actual recovery plan. Mm. And that would seem like that would be something that people have, but many really don't. So when I get into it, again, I ask, well, how do you know you're in recovery? Or can you tell me about your recovery plan? Uh, That's when I can get some blank looks and stuff like that. Well, John, what do you mean? So I think it's important, again, whether going through recovery or if you want to make a change in your life, like we've talked about, or go to a next level, you're going to have to have a game plan. Uh, An example I like to use is a person says, well, I want to get clean and sober, right? Right. So let's use – let's break this down for a second. If you can picture the scene of a sportscaster talking to the head coach of an NFL team – And they ask the question, what do you want to do, coach? We want to win the Super Bowl. Beautiful. There's that grand statement. We want to win the Super Bowl. I want recovery. The difference is if we broke it down backwards, the commentator was, well, how are you going to do that? Mm. And the coach would say, well, we need to win three playoff games. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, we need to win 10 regular season games. And he would go backwards all the way down to where he could define what the first hour of practice looked like in spring training. Right. That's a game plan. Yep. Steps and goals. Right. So there's something that it's built on, right, that's uh, definable, that's measurable, so we know what we're actually doing. 
Mm. I feel like when you were giving that example that the first thing to do would be show up. Absolutely. Yeah. Because as you're going backwards, I'm like, okay, now all they got to do is show up to the field Absolutely. and start making game plans. You know what I mean? Right. And that's how we make a playbook. Mm-hmm. Right. So that can be the first, as we all know, in addiction, uh, it's hard to show up. Oh, man. Right? So let's, let, let's be honest with that right there. That first day, that first hour, that first commitment can be the most or potentially close to the most difficult. So I, I'm glad you said that. But once we make that, we do show up, then we have to continue to move forward. Yes. And uh, we, once we, the show up in the beginning is, is absolutely pivotal. Most important. Yeah. You but have to be there. <laughs> if you keep that idea that all I need to do is keep showing up but not doing any work, you're not going to get anywhere either. Well, yeah, because you're, then the coach is going to put you on the bench. Right. It, there you go. The coach is going to put you on the bench. Yep. Yep. You're not going to be able to play the game. Right. You're not going to be able to win the game, win the day. Right. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's huge for me to have, to, when I first started to have a recovery plan, it was huge. It was, where do I go? Who am I going to hang out with? And these are the little things. Of course, the, the, the rooms, the 12-step rooms were obviously in there in the beginning and my church, but it was like, Work okay. What do you when are you going to do for work? Like my recovery plan was was thick. It had to do like we'll start with getting up in the morning. Then I had plans on getting up in the morning and what I was going to do. Then it was getting to work and then it was doing the job. Then it was what when I got off. Like I had to make sure all of my days were numbered for the first mm. year. Yeah, you know, right. making sure that I stayed busy because my brain. I'm a super fast thinker. My my brain works faster than my hand, and if I let it travel along its own for one minute. That's a scary, 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 yeah. scary predicament for Brandon. So Brandon had to make sure that I was key pointed all the way down my days always. Right. Yeah, and that goes back to being accountable. Right. You know, that's the um, things that, that we talked about in the other episode about, you know, our recovery plan is like being accountable, being honest. And right. It just goes yep. down that way. Yeah. It's just like a revolving cycle. What does a recovery plan look like to you, John, when you make one with one of your clients? Well, it's it's going to incorporate all the things that we're looking at right now, right? Okay. And so if a person to me says, uh, I'm not going to let people get away with uh, because I, because I love them mm-hmm. and, and, and I want to see them successful, uh, but I will get things like, well, John, it's important for me to hold healthy boundaries. And uh, that's part of my recovery plan. And I'll say, gosh, I really like that. Which boundaries? <laughs> Wait, you mean you need to be specific? Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> Darn it. because we can fool ourselves and I would like them to define, well, I need to hold a healthy boundary, you know, with my Uncle Larry. I need to hold a boundary with this part of town. Right. I need to hold a boundary here because if I just throw it out there generically, uh, that's a tagline. Right. The healthy right. boundaries right. sound good. Yeah. Right. But we have to have an understanding. No. I need to hold a boundary with this person because mm. I fall into codependency with them. Yeah. And that's dangerous for mm. me. Yes. Right? So that's kind of, I'm going to, uh, we're going to talk about these things generically, but when I work with individuals or specifically, we're going to find out how does that apply to you? Right. What is this game plan, right? One person might need more communication skills where someone else might need more stress reduction skills. Don't know. 
Mm. So we're going to define it. You take that. Sorry, but everything to me goes back to sports analogy. Right. So wide, <laughs> the wide receiver's game plan is not going to be the same as the halfback. Well, there you go. You yeah. know, it's it's how that goes. You already got my brain into sports analogies now. Thanks, John. I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, you know, like if each recovery plan is different for the individual, what did yours look like, Christy? Um. Well, mine's started with being honest. And in mind, what I wrote is like, I want to live my life with truth, vulnerability, and sheer transparency. Sheer transparency. Because that's the opposite of the way that I used to live. Good job. So I think as long as I'm being honest, even with the tiny little things, then I'm on the right track. If I can be honest about my feelings, if I could be honest in relationships, and if I could be accountable to people to say, hey, exactly like you said about boundaries mm-hmm. is to say I'm I'm having a hard time setting this boundary and I know I need to so if I can just be honest and say this is hard for me can you help me do this right then you know and then I'm on the right path and is and as long as I'm being honest and transparent then I have a chance I know I have a big chance yeah, yeah beautifully beautifully said thank you Christy for that mm-hmm. I appreciate Thanks, you Brian. you're welcome and another area you know in, in this Brandon, as you asked that question, I'm, I'm thinking in communication is a big one. Right. So a lot of people are going to say, well, gosh, you know, my communication has not been that good. I could probably use some communication skills. Again, a generic statement, probably some truth to it, but let's define what does that mean? Mm. Right. Are you having difficulty actively listening? Uh, you know, or is it your speaking style? Is it a respect issue? What's really going on? Is it comprehensive? Exactly. Right. Mm. What's going on that's making communication difficult? Right. So I'd like to circle back for uh, for one moment. In, in creating this game plan, one of the things that's important, and Christy actually shared hers or part of hers with us, and that is a personal mission statement. Mm. And uh, if you guys remember, she said, I want to live my life with truth, vulnerability, and sheer transparency. Now, that to me, when I hear something like that, that goes much deeper or farther than uh, I want to get clean and sober. Come on. I don't want to get, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, you know, do my prison set. I want, she is defining in this beautiful language, in this color. This is my mission. Mm-hmm. I want to live this way. Now, if I can get people to see that, man, I want to live with truth, vulnerability, <sighs> transparency. Powerful. Now we're talking about something. Mm. Yeah, but it took me going to prison. <laughs> to under- <laughs> it took a little bit to understand but and to get to that point because, you know. I feel like you're kind of belittling like yourself right now. Don't Am do that. I? Yeah, I feel like you kind of set yourself back because that right there is so powerful. Yes. Don't, but it, but don't set yourself short on that one, Christy, because that's who you are today. That's who you yes, shine as. And I'm super proud of that yeah, because I've done a lot of, of work for that. But all I'm saying is if you're not in that place and you're in a place that you're still in the manipulative or not right. being honest, I was I was there not that long ago. So I just know that this is what not just as um, for a mission statement and a recovery plan, this is what brings me the deep joy and healthy relationships. Powerful. And if I could jump in for a second, uh, again, if the audience could see this like I'm seeing this, is Brandon jumped in 
to share something with Christy that can only happen in relationship because in a brief moment, the new Christy was battling the old belief Christy. Yeah. Was I doing that? Well, <laughs> I didn't even realize. Well, Sorry, I got your back. Okay, thanks. That's, and this is why this is good. Is Just because we find recovery or we move to a new healthy doesn't mean that, oh, gosh, I'm fixed. I yeah. changed. <laughs> we're, we're going to be evolving and changing. And we're, so it, that's why it's important, to, as Brandon did, to have healthy people in our lives that may spot things that we mm. don't see. Or they're there to say, hey, girl, you know, I got you where I see it a different way. What do you think about this? Yeah. So that we, we, we got to experience something mm-hmm. beautiful there. Yeah. Good. I love that. Thanks, thank Brandon. You. And thank you, John. You're welcome, Christy. <laughs> love you guys. What's the next one? I feel like my brain is still processing that one. But we have the number nine this time. <laughs> so number nine is, is uh, I think it's fairly close to, to number eight. But this is technical terminology if you want to hear it, but it's but it's vitally important. And that is developing that comprehensive relapse prevention plan. And again, I look at it as a living document mm. type of a thing. It's not like a, yeah, I went through treatment and we did a relapse prevention plan. Right. I think a healthy person has this actively and they're looking at it every couple of weeks, if not sooner, yeah. because there could be changes. And one of the things that I like to incorporate in, uh, I kind of created my own over the years that's a little more in depth. And one of the things that that has really spoken to people and helped is I add cues. Like what? Mental, physical, and emotional cues. So what we're looking for in cues is behavior change. For the better or worse or both? Different. Mm, different. Okay. So what I've seen happen is let's say that I'm going along in active recovery and let's say that uh, a cue is I like to be alone a little bit, maybe on the borderline of isolation. If I can notice that I'm starting to isolate a little bit more mm. or different than usual, that could be a cue. Gotcha. Right. If I'm starting to become a little more irritable mm. in my conversations, uh, I'm starting to have a little more anxiety. Mm. Right. These are cues, not necessarily triggers and cravings, but they're more subtle things to be looking for. And if I'm in my living document, I'm more aware of cues. But if I've just created a relapse prevention plan and said, well, I know I shouldn't hang around this guy and I shouldn't go anywhere on the west side of Medford. Those are my triggers. And I'm not really <laughs> checking in with myself. I could be having all kinds of cues going on and I don't even know. And not even knowing it. And wow. before I know it, I'm, I'm, you know, behind a dumpster. Gotcha. I didn't know how to deal with the situations I was going through right there that were, that were the inevitable, obviously. But like my recovery plan in there was like, make sure I surround myself with like-minded people that are still going through life clean and sober. Right. I have a question. <clears throat> what, Brandon? Can you, John, explain to me what, you, what your idea of a successful recovery plan looks like? A successful recovery plan. Uh, boy, that's, that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Um, well, because I'm sitting here thinking in my head, and I apologize that this no. this was totally organic, but I'm sitting here in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, man, 
I'm 41 years old. I've probably done 23 recovery plans and stuck to one of them. Like, <laughs> when did it, like, how many of these things really work if you work them? I and what does a successful recovery plan look like? Or is that even a thing? Um. I don't know if there's a definitive answer uh, that we can use broadly or generically. Uh, What I try to do is get a person to understand themselves as deep as they possibly can. Okay. To, To return to authenticity, to... Find the hope in what's really out there. Uh, just in the word itself, I think many people would define success differently. Mm. Oh, yeah. Right? That's true. Uh, so I've always liked the word healthy. Right. You know, a lot of people say, well, I want to get better. Or I want to do this. or uh, In my own personal life, uh, I feel successful if if I'm working on and moving forward in, in becoming a healthier man. Right. Mm, I love that. That's right. a yeah, good point. Right? I never look at it that way, and I right. need to do and that more. <laughs> so as you're talking, I was sitting here thinking to myself, okay, you've done X amount of recovery plans, and one worked, and mm. then it clicked mm. because I wanted it to work this time. Mm. Because yeah. I put something into motion on paper in front of myself and wrote it down and stuck to it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and you spent a year finding yourself yeah. and returning to authenticity. Yeah. <laughs> Give yeah. me some of that right there. You know, and that's and that's and that's what it is. So as I asked you that, and I'm just curious to maybe what your answer would be, because to mine it's like one that somebody sticks to. Right. And I think that Stephanie had a had a, a good um offering there as she said it was through the process of you finding the real you the authentic self that allowed the tenant or the piece of recovery to be successful. Mm. Ah. So it wasn't in, here's step number four, if you do this, uh, you're healed or you're fixed. Right, right, yeah. It it was the combination of understanding you at that deeper level of how do you take that and make it authentic. It took a long time. That's that's where change happens. That's Mm. where where healing can happen, I believe. I love that one so much. I think when you can point out people's like core strengths and what they're really good at, even if they're mm-hmm. in active addiction, you know, everybody has certain gifts and talents. Yes. And when those come out and you say, Brandon, like you could use all of these powers for good. Yeah. Like I've said that many times when I'm Absolutely. helping people. Transferable skills. Like, yeah, there's so many things that people don't recognize in themselves or they throw everything into the bad category yeah. when we're all given, you know, certain things that make us who we are that are strengths. And people People have a hard time deciphering what's good and what's bad, especially when they're just coming out of that yeah. d- dark place. Yeah. Right. And now you're talking well about— Well said, Stephanie. You're talking about looking at it at, at counseling in a good, healthy way. I like that, too. One of the one of my favorite uh, series that we do or, or sessions that we do is on strength-based. And, and I like the way you say that because I'll say to my people, well, what do you think some of your strengths are? Oh, gosh, John, I, I not really much. And I was like, well, let's take, tell me about your addiction a little bit. Uh, could if I threw out the word persistent, would that be one that landed? Oh yeah, <laughs> I, hilarious, definitely. Right? Uh, uh, yeah, believe me, I'll get what I need. I'm like, well, there you go. So if we take, so you have the mechanism within you. Now, if I can show you what is it that you really want in life, and now we can use that gift or that strength that you already possess of being mm. persistent. I love that. Transferable skills, baby. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what it is. And then that means that you already have everything inside yep. yourself to do what you want to do. You don't or do your purpose or or achieve that thing instead of going outside yourself to get it or learn. So, you already possess it. Is that true, do you think? Yes. Okay. And <laughs> uh, can, can we go to the deep end of the pool for a moment? We love the deep Since end. Brandon uh, – uh, all you viewers, <laughs> uh, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon said that this may be content heavy. Uh, let's take one of the deepest. Okay. I've worked with a couple people that come to mind and uh, they believe that there's no self-love there. Yeah. That there's no value, that there's no worth. Yeah. Uh, and right. this, is one, this is one of the toughest to deal with. And so I, I ask a few questions and – and I'll come across one and I was like, have you ever loved anybody? Oh, yeah, I, I loved, you know, this person or that person or maybe it's even an animal. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so beautiful. So you have the capacity. To love. To love. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's in there. Mm. So, oh, feel good about that. Mm. That you're, right. you, you're not defective. You're not missing a gear. You have... The capacity. Mm. Now it's just that we need to find it back to yourself, and we can. That's beautiful. All right, you guys. You guys ready for this one? This is number 10, and every single person I know goes through this, hands down. Right. Thank you for that lead-in because it's <laughs> absolutely perfect. It's and, true. And, so we're just going to come straight down Front Street. Uh, we live in a society that— You just, don't know me like that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we deal with stress. We're, we're in, we're in a, a stressful society. And so uh, and, and many people even going through addictions, I think stress can be even uh, elevated. Because, again, we have outside agencies in our lives. We, we may be separated from our children. We may have uh, relationships that are really damaged. So that can even be higher. So learning how to deal with stress mm. is going to be important whew, yeah. for any of us moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Right. Stress management. Right. So, uh, again, we're going to have to do a little bit of work, identify the things that are stressful in our lives mm -hmm. and learn these coping skills in this going back to what we talked about in that in the last episode is going to group and learning five coping skills that's awesome great but if you don't know how to or you don't use them it means nothing not right. a dang thing right nothing so you're going to be in the same exact place so uh, learning how to do Take three deep diaphragmatic breaths, right, is truly important. Uh, and this is something I have to work with people because they're like, yeah, I know, breathe, breathe. I know, we've heard that before. And it's like, no. <laughs> breathe, breathe. <laughs> th this is really, you know, and so let me drop a little, you know, I'll tell them, let me drop a little bit of science on you, you know, and then I'll use the big fancy words and stuff Ooh. like that, you know, like, you know, sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and stuff like that. But it's like, this is how it helps you get out of that fight or flight back to a calm place where you can feel grounded, where you can think properly. And, and when you share it like that, it's like, well, you, most people are like, yeah, well, I, I want some of that. Yeah. Please. Yeah. 
Right. And, and it sounds so simple to someone going through stress. Wait, so, so yeah. what you're saying is I just have to breathe? That doesn't make any well, sense because it, well, it's so simple. Here's the thing. Here, and, and yes, Christy, you're right. It, it sounds, sounds so simple. Yeah. Sounds so simple. Exactly. Well, here's the thing with the people that we have the pleasure of working with every day is stress is the number one thing walking yeah. through our door. Yeah. yeah, It's about something, whether they don't want to get rid of their cat or they don't know why they did this or they are worried, whatever it may be, it's valid and it's theirs and not taking that from them. Yeah. But we need to learn how to manage it. Mm. So, right. and you know, that's how you're going to be able to move forward is yeah. managing your stress. Yeah. This one right here, I would love to know a whole lot more about personally right. because stress happens, um, especially in the field that we have the pleasure of working in. This mm-hmm. is real. So this goes for us as well as managing our stress and how we work and deal with our daily lives as well yeah. in order right. to do what we do. Yeah. I think in my life, um, managing stress, I mean, I've done some pretty big projects and things career-wise and on the personal level, but it's like understanding the things that you can control and mm-hmm. what you cannot control. Mm-hmm. And I use that on myself a lot. Like, you can be completely consumed and worried about something that you do not have one ounce of control over. Right. So how much energy are you going to expend and that emotional regulation piece, how up here are you going to be and how many family members and coworkers are you going to influence over something (laughs) that you don't have control over? So figure out what are the pieces that you do have control over and put your effort towards those. So let me throw in there to give the listeners, if you want a quick takeaway – if you really want something hands-on that you can use today that I believe will make a difference, coming off of what Stephanie said, simply go read the Serenity Prayer mm-hmm. and spend 15 minutes with it, and it can be life-changing for you. Right. Again, simple, but I love, so beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. So perfect. And, you know, that's why they utilize that in the beginning. And at the end, you know, there's a lot. Some do it beginning, some do it end. There's a reason why they always use that, the Mm -hmm. serenity prayer in those rooms. You know, I didn't didn't put it on this list, but it kind of incorporates the whole thing. And I I think it's important to inject right here. Success. You asked me earlier a question about success. Success will usually be found, I've seen, by not these big, cloud parting thunder roaring moments yep. but by making taking small steps consistently mm, so true so taking a couple of deep breaths or doing one affirmation each day and that i think is the problem with addiction is we've rewired the brain for such massive change and explosion and fireworks that we sometimes look past that the answer is really in the simple, straightforward, mm. small steps. Did we just go back to the fundamentals again? <laughs> Did we, we just went back to that. the fundamentals again? <laughs> you know, it's just like if you break your ankle, back to the fundamentals. Yeah. You got to yeah. do everything. You know, it's the same thing with addiction. You know, you're you're not you're not broken. You can be fixed. Yeah. Right. Something broke can't be fixed. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, I love that one. Stress management, emotional regulation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I sure got a lot out of that one too. <laughs> I'm, that's one that we could talk about for hours as well. The next one, we talked a little bit about it earlier. I yeah. think it was in the last episode. I remember talking about it. It was learning healthy communication skills. And to me, that's a big one. 
Yeah. What's healthy? <laughs> Define healthy. What's communication <laughs> skills? One where people don't react poorly yeah. to what you say. You know, you, you could Stop say it. what's Just learning, kidding. what's healthy, <laughs> what's communication, and what skills when it comes to this right here. Yeah, I mean, you, you can define you every, can every, word. every word. Break it right down now. for us. Break Stop. it down. Well, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to follow up with something you said, Christy. One of the things that, that uh, I've heard over the years is people say, gosh, John, that sounds really good. Mm. And here's what I love is their beauty. Their honesty and vulnerability, and they'll look me in the eyes and say, I have no idea what a healthy relationship is. Right. Because uh, this is how I grew up. This is how relationships were modeled. This is what I thought normal was. So it's going to be great. Thank you for being honest. Now that you've identified it, now we can start taking a look at what does Mm. A healthy relationship actually yep. look like, or you know, not as much. Uh, we talked about relationships earlier, but this tenant under relationships, and that's communication. Mm. And so many people just weren't, uh, again, modeled or taught how taught, to effectively right. communicate. Right? right. Yes. If a conflict comes, or if I have a different opinion from you, uh, I'm going to run. And this is why I love live group. And uh, I don't know if I do things I, – I've, to, I've been told I do things very different but uh, compared to what other therapists do and stuff like that. But I have no problem in my groups with conflict or differences of opinion or people getting triggered or these things that are – oh, because it gives people an opportunity to work through – difficult situations while the emotions are there. Mm. That's a hard one. Sure it is. So <laughs> if, yeah. if a person says, you know, gosh, I've never been good at conflict resolution, uh, which a lot of people aren't, I've seen some amazing things in the group room where there was an actual conflict or ruffling of feathers between a couple people, and I just said, oh, good. We have an opportunity oh, here. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and people are looking at me like, okay, John, are you going to shut this down? Should that person take a time out? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> we have an opportunity. And if you can let people know that they're safe. Yeah. Yes. That, yes. Mm-hmm. And that they can work through it. We're okay. We're okay. And they work through it. They, come, they can come out the other side like, oh, my gosh, I just walked through a conflict yeah. without running without returning an, to an old behavior mm, yeah. and maybe returning to a product that could devastate me. Right. I just did something. That's beautiful. Yeah, and a lot of times conflict, we think of that as bad. Like right. I grew up thinking conflict is to be avoided at all costs. You know, and, and, and <laughs> stepping back to my recovery, because you're absolutely right. I realized that when I when I was living in Oxford home, we had to do interviews for people that come in that you know four or five at a time, and Brandon Orr, knowing the whole damn town, sitting in there, and, and I don't know who's coming in, and I see somebody that I had really bad blood with, mm. you know, and we were able to resolve our conflict through healthy communication. Hmm. Period. Mm. I didn't even know that I attained that freaking skill. That's awesome. It just yeah. happened because I wanted it. Yeah. I wanted to make amends with this gentleman. I wanted mm. to say, hey, what you did was wrong, what I did was wrong. How can we stop that? How can we stop this and start something new right now in case you get voted into this Oxford? We're gonna have to be roommates. That's awesome. And now we're friends. We're yeah. we're still I have a bunch of them I've done that with, you know what I mean? Because it wasn't most 
us addict out there, which I'm sure all of us were. But do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. those kinds of those kinds of conflict res- resolutions and you know communi- healthy communication. When I first did that, I'm like, oh my gosh, making amends is going to be easier than I mm. thought because when I was making my list of people to make amends with. How, how am I going to talk to this person? How am I going to, what am I going to say? You know what I mean? Well, you just got to go from the heart, dude. You know, you know where you messed up. Yeah. He knows where he messed up. Yeah. Let's make, you know, and it takes two people though. I couldn't do it on my own without him being willing to make the amends himself as well too. Yes. And then what's so great about that is once I know for, for myself, once I step through something and I actually do it, and, you know, I get to the other side through my heart. I feel so grateful. And I'm like, wow, look what I could do. Right. So maybe I can do another, you right. know, if it's conflict or chance, something else it's scary. It's chance taking. Yeah. You got, you know, you got to sometimes take that chance. Yeah. And good things. I know for me personally, I can only speak for Brandon. It's good things have came out of that, you know, mm, of yeah. taking right. those chances. Yeah. One thing that I notice in Brandon is, like, he has a super humble spirit. And so it's like when he talks about making amends, and I know people have walked into our organization that he has a past with, and he's like, oh, I've been waiting for this one to show up. And, <laughs> you know, like, I just respect the way that he handles it. And I think it's yeah. it's that being in that place of truly wanting to do good and honor others regardless of their response. And so it's not like you make amends or you communicate every time based on the other, you know, yourself it, or the other person you get what i'm saying it's, yes. it's it's really trying to figure out like there are pieces you probably should never say right you know like open and honesty is great but there are things you should never say to someone right. because those things stick in their head and most people who have trauma hurts. understand what that right. means and the emotional regulation it takes to have a conversation when it is conflict-based is really hard and you know a lot of that stuff first off thank you i just want to say that thank you that means the world to me that you even notice that because that's a big, that's a big part of my, my integrity of what I do. But you don't have, like if me and Christy went out, we had a past where she did something wrong to me. I did something wrong. We don't even have to bring that up. We already know. Yeah. Hey dude, I'm sorry. You don't have to bring that stuff up. Mm -hmm. You guys know, you know, so that's, that's really important. Just let them know what they need to know and not what they, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just, Hey bro, I am so sorry. Yeah. You know, how can we make this right? That's awesome. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. <laughs> Depending on your heart and mind. Yeah. <laughs> and how much it's recovery been easy. It's been pretty easy for Brandon. Yeah, because you're in a good place of recovery. It's yeah. just timing on everything. People grow, and right. these are all steps that lead to healthier communication. And Brandon's yeah. working on his recovery every day, Absolutely. all day, every day. So, mm-hmm. so it's an important thing for, for you to interact with other people like that. Yeah, and you got to be, you know, you got to practice what you preach. Yeah, practice practice what you preach, right, John? Yep. All right, you guys, check this out. Here comes number 12, and this is going to be my favorite, and I sure hope he says it as big as these letters are. (laughs) So we've got 11 things here, and uh, (laughs) it's important. It reminds me of, of something that I've done in group many times and it always brings a smile to my face. But when I get a new group or I get a you know a new influx of people, I'll say, uh, "What are you willing to do to be in in recovery?" And the usual pat answer is, "I'll do anything." <laughs> <laughs> and I smile from ear to ear, and I say, "Really, really, uh, anything." And then I start going through some ideas. You know what I yeah. mean? Hey, well, are you willing to, you know, start journaling every day? Well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and, and then here comes the list, right? So 
Are you willing to take a cold shower? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> he loves cold showers, people. Right. I don't get it. So <laughs> There are uh, healthy reasons. It, there are many healthy reasons. So. That's another episode, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so here's, here's the thing is we've got this list. If if a person wants to, to get healthy, this is a list that I found. There, there are many others and stuff like that. But we have to do them. Right? Period. Period. Yeah. And number 12 is, and I'm going to spell it out big because, in a, and if you're taking notes, uh, please spell this out big in capital letters. Mm-hmm. Right? Find a Sharpie. Yeah, I was just going to say that. <laughs> right. Tattoo? Yeah. Find a Sharpie, you guys. This is going to be good. Yeah, this could be, a ta- this could be a great tattoo. <laughs> it really could. It really, really could. Right. Just not on me. There are no excuses. Bum, bum, bum. Period. Period. <laughs> Period. I would like to say exclamation point, yeah. exclamation point, exclamation right. point. If you have excuses, and I think most of us do, and well, let me just say, let me keep this 100, and uh, in John's life, uh, over the years, I've had plenty of excuses. And uh, so in my work and journaling and, and accountability partners and stuff like that, they become, they get brought into the light. Right. And they get exposed for exactly what they are. We're not going to sugarcoat them or not. Uh, I've, I'm lazy at times. Yeah. Right. I make excuses Period. at times. Period. We're human. But I have good accountability partners and people that love me that said, John, that's an excuse. And I'm like, <laughs> thank you for shooting straight. You're absolutely right because I know an excuse won't get me to what I told you I really wanted. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Right. So uh, if, if uh, one of the other examples I like is thinking about gold or, or, or thinking about Olympians. Right. Okay. They have this dream of wanting that gold medal. And um, we get to see the end product. We get to see the beauty. They're standing on stage and it's mm. all. Uh, and, and sometimes we get to see a little behind the scenes peak. But uh, the game's won and lost on a Tuesday morning in the winter at 4 a.m. when they're getting up yeah. and going to the gym when they don't want to. Yeah. Uh, there, there are no excuses. None. None. Do you want it or yeah. not? Yeah, Period. type of a thing. So, uh, and unfortunately, in the world of addiction, working with a lot of clients, uh, th- there there are a lot of excuses. Yeah. I, I mean, let's just say what, what it is. I'm not, uh, I, I've shared my heart today. Everybody knows how much I love and stuff like that. But but uh, I also like to be truthful and come down front straight. Uh, there are a lot of excuses. Mm. In, in both worlds. Yeah. In all worlds. Yeah. 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 Because it's like, I remember it's in, in my brain, and I apologize because it's where I go. It could be the comedy part, but it's real. It's like the dope man didn't want no excuses when he wanted his money. Exactly. He smashed a hammer on your toe. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? There was no excuses, man. Like, if you do you want this life or do you not yeah. want this life? There you go. Do you want to live whole or do you want to live half assed? Yeah. I mean, this is your journey. Yeah. This isn't my journey. I'm taking it all the way. Yeah. Like, like I said earlier, I wanted all the good dope plugs. Now I want all the good recovery plugs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want as high as I can get in this thing. I mm. want to know about it. And I want to be able to help and provide stability and hope, man. Yeah. Right. So, no excuses. There is none. And I, I love the opportunities when I get, uh, you know, really develop a deep relationship with, with some of my clients. And, and, and they're just, they are vulnerable and honest. And, and when I get those words like, John, and they look me in the eyes and say, I want my child back. Mm, yeah. Then I know that I have the green light. Get him. To yeah. 
ask them the tough questions, to, mm-hmm. to hold them accountable. And uh, when they that old part of the brain or our, our wiring wants to make an excuse, I can go after that mm-hmm. because they because they trust me. Yeah. And and they know that, that that I love them and the motivation is right. But sometimes that's it, it's what it takes. You're we're gonna have to say some hard words because there there are no excuses. If you want something different in your life, no one's gonna be knocking at your door to give it to you. Yeah. There's gonna be some people to support you, but you are going to have to be the one. That gets up. To go get it. You have to be the one that sets the alarm, gets up, makes your breakfast, drinks your water, gets your coffee, head out the door, go fill out those applications, go fill out whatever you need to do, you're going to have to do it. The beautiful thing about what we get to do today is if you let me, I'd walk alongside you. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. I would walk Mm. alongside you. Thank you, John, for being here today and just enlightening us. I always learn so much when you come and speak mm. with us. Um, we have an amazing Tuesday session that we put in place, really. Fair week. A little bit of right. self-care on our part, I think. But also, you know, we we do a lot of um, sitting with people who are in deep uh trauma and grief and although we're not trauma counselors and we do get help for that right. it's it's hard to hear people's sad stories every single week and we empathize deeply and love and care about people and so having you come every Tuesday and help us you know process some of those things that we're struggling with or that may have triggered things in our own life and helping us balance that body mind and spirit that's so really significant to everybody's life, regardless of whether you struggle with addiction, is so awesome. And I just consider you a friend. Thank yeah. you Absolutely. for everything that thank you, you do. Thank you, John. Well, yeah, yeah thank you. And I, th- I think, uh, you know, Stephanie, you and I met each other, you know, years ago. And uh, I think that that's what drew my heart uh, in to spend time with you guys and, and work with you guys is, is the mission of love yeah. and the mission of uh, investing in other people's lives, um, not trying to fix anybody, right? Not mm-hmm. not trying to do anything, but just be there uh, as they drift through their journey. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's if that's a couple of months, nine months, uh, you're not concerned about that. You're concerned about walking alongside of them, right? And uh, that's beautiful. You, you know that always. I, I learned a phrase. Uh, many, many years ago that's always kind of stuck with me. And I believe that it's what Reclaiming Lives does. And the the, the phrase simply is, we're better together. Amen. <laughs> yeah, all of us. We will bring as many as we can yeah. get. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Thank you, you know, John. I, I really thank you. And you guys, like, thank you for even staying stay tuned with us and listening to us and supporting us because we're not professionals at this whatsoever. We're literally doing this off the seat of our pants, and it's the greatest thing that we've ever that we've ever got to yes. do for me. Like to give this message of hope through a podcast with people I love and trust, mm. and and have invested in me. You know, like this is this is where this is where it is, you guys. Yeah. So get ready for the next one, episode six. Ooh, it's gonna ooh. be a little tricky because I couldn't get where I'm at without it. Forgiveness. Do I have to? <laughs> do, right. Do, do, what? Do I, I got to do that forgiving thing? Like, and why is it important? Do you wow. know what that person did to me? You know, I'm going to leave it right there because I already <laughs> want to get into this episode. <laughs> and I just want to just dive right in. But yeah, you guys, uh, 
appreciate you guys listening to us. Survivors of addiction, John, Christy, Brandon, and Stephanie is always in the back producing us, killing it. Um, we appreciate you guys, and we love you. Take care. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Love.